Welcome to the second episode of the More Than Music podcast. I'm Mikey. Today I'm going to be joined in the host seat by Mr. Magic Mike Sorensen. We're going to be talking to Aaron and Shelly Crowbar, uh, who run the Montana State Hemp and Cannabis Festival. Uh, amazing people. Uh, we have a lot of fun talking to them. We've had so much fun playing the festival. They've taken great care of us over the years. We get into just the logistics of running a festival, uh, what it's like to be involved with the cannabis world in Montana, talking about the law, talking about uh, family and all sorts of stuff. So I hope you enjoy this and uh, let's get into it. Welcome to the More Than Music podcast hosted by us, Soul Seed. We'll be sharing tour stories, lyric breakdowns, and insights into our approach to music, the art, as well as the business. We'll also be interviewing some of the friends and family we've made throughout the years in the spirit of sharing their many marvelous trials and triumphs. So get comfortable and join us as we explore more than music. Hey, Aaron and Shelly, thank you so much for joining us today. This is More Than Music podcast with Soul Seed. We are stoked to have you on with us. Why don't we just start with finding out how you two met? It's a long story, buddy. You sure you want to go back that far? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a long time ago. It's not a long story. It's a long time ago. That's a long story. <laughs> I guess the story's not that long. But the story's not long. Yeah, the history is long. I wanted to throw a party. I was new to Missoula. I came from the Oregon coast, and I had a friend who told me he could throw a party, and so we invited some people over, and he was one of the people. That was 1998. That's beautiful. And we hit it off and we like, we just were, we were actually best friends. Aaron and I have been best friends for many, many, many years. Um, and then at one point a girl wanted to date him and I was not okay with that. Like that. <laughs> and then I realized maybe we were more than best friends. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we dated, we dated for a couple of years. We lived together for a couple of years and then we actually went our separate ways when we were early twenties. We, we were boyfriend and girlfriend. We lived together. Then we, we each went our separate ways. I moved home to Oregon. Um, and we each had ridiculously failed relationships. And two beautiful children came from those ridiculously failed relationships. We each have children about the same age. And then we got back together. Um, and we've been together for... Eight years, Almost not eight nine years, years now. Again, eight, yeah. we have a six-year-old daughter together, so we have a, a we, his, a mine, and an ours. We have a festival baby. <laughs> that's amazing. Aww. Yeah, that's awesome. That also segues into I wanted to ask, like raising a family together and uh, in the cannabis industry and in the festival world, how that goes for you two. How is uh, your family and your little cute little slice of the world? Well, uh, for us, it's all about balance. You know, we're workaholics, so we tend to fill all of our spare time with work. Um, but our kids are always a big part of our work. We'll take them with us. We'll travel the state. They're pretty good road warriors. We'll throw them in a plane, take them, you know, to Oregon or whatever real quick. They're very resilient Crunch them in a kids. car for 12 hours. Yeah, they're resilient. <laughs> We've taught them how to travel. We've taught them a lot about, you know, cannabis and as medicine. And so... Um, our There's no secrets in our household about yeah. what we do. That's um, we're, we believe firmly in educating the new generation about cannabis because, um, you know, both of us are, are, and I'm probably you guys, we weren't, we weren't 
educated properly about cannabis. So changing the stigma is a big deal to us. Um, we're very open about it with our kids. We're very uh, straightforward that we don't believe in cannabis use in children and things like that, unless it's for a medical reason, of course, then there's there's very good reason in some cases. But um, we don't condone, you know, recreational use in children, but we don't condone uh, closed, closed doors and secrets about yeah. cannabis either. Yeah, yeah you want to so remove we, the taboo from it. Yeah, we have, I have a 14-year-old son that lives with us uh, all the time. And, you know, uh, there's never been a secret. He's actually, uh, he blows glass and he's been a big part of the festival for many years. He's, um, I have pictures with you guys with Shay. He's just a little now he's guy. A, he's a yeah. big guy he's now. Guy. Big. <laughs> um, but you know, it's just a matter of, there was a time with Shaden where he was afraid for his, his classmates to know what we did because he would, you know, get made fun of, or your parents are, are Stars. druggies or, you know, yeah. there's the, the, there's even the, it's, there's a different kind of concern when you when you're into it is that your your kids get made fun of or or the stigma then then transfers to them and that's something that we've we've dealt with a little bit but I think yeah. we've come out the other end pretty good. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, and it's, you know, I I'm privileged to know many people in the cannabis industry and know them to be, you know, some of the hardest working people in the world. There's so much that you have to kind of constantly go up against between the stigma and the state, especially in Montana with the history there, kind of constantly giving you a little bit and then taking more away. And yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's an unfortunate stigma and it's uh, hopefully it'll continue to fade with each generation. I hope so. And like, like he was saying, we we're hard workers, you know, we, the idea of sitting around and smoking weed and, and just watching TV, we don't even, we don't watch TV. We don't have time, you know, like we're, yeah. we love to, to, to do a dab or smoke a bong hit and then we'll get right back to work. You know, yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a quick break. <laughs> yeah, for sure. yeah. And I love what you said about no secrets, no closed doors. My partner has <laughs> a 13 year old son and it's definitely that balance of uh you know you don't want to condone it you don't want to tell them that it's okay but you also want to be fully transparent and explain how it's used in medicine how it's used in culture and the pros and cons so yeah, be I, an example I, of, a, of a healthy user of, of a medicine or a yeah. recreational enjoyment <laughs> i can do a quick plug too for for the younger generation of kids that's more in the say two to seven-year-old range there's some great books called stinky steve on the internet if you go on amazon and search for stinky steve um they're awesome there's one about uh daddy's dabs and there's one about grandma's garden <laughs> that's awesome Cute. it's a really oh. like healthy way i've had some people say i don't know how to tell my kids or i don't know how to talk to my kids and those stinky steve books are that's the way you just say let's read this it's yeah. about a subject i want to talk about you know yeah. and bam cool. Yeah, yeah, and really I think cool. it's it's hard probably to, uh, you know, especially living in a place where it's not as accepted, you know, you probably feel that kind of pressure from around you. It's probably hard not to carry that into how you treat it with your kids, right? You, if you have an idea that like, oh, society thinks this is bad. Am I being bad if I do this near my kids? Yeah. yeah so it's, yeah. it's nice to try and wipe that away and realize, no, it's, you know, it's just about how you well, go about it. It's interesting in different cultures too. For instance, when we travel to Jamaica, it's such a part of the culture there that even the youngsters, the 14, 15, 16 year old kids are openly smoking cannabis because it's just part of their culture. They grow up doing it. It's there's part of their religion. No yeah, there's no stigma. It's never been created there like it was here so long ago. 
Yeah. So it's so different, you know. And yeah. Jamaica, they're actually proud of the plant, and they—they—it's what you say. There's not a stigma created, so that the kids don't feel as if they're doing something bad. And I don't mean kids; I teenagers to young adults. Yeah. They just don't feel like they need to hide it, or that they're doing something, you know, like drinking, which is bad in yeah. you know that culture. And so it's a—it's just a, it, the stigma doesn't exist. Yeah. for for the younger generation there which is it's really beautiful yeah. to see yeah. that is beautiful yeah and i mean even here in the states it's like i've been in a house where they openly smoke around young kids and you're like like i've found myself being kind of either uncomfortable or just like okay like this is how they communicate and this is their understanding of what's normal but um it's always an interesting balance like how do you yeah. introduce this to the next generation and um right well, beautiful. Right. And then to transition, what got you to interested in uh, legalizing cannabis, cannabis for everyone, uh, you know, hemp? Uh, what started you on that journey? The beginning. We always, so, I mean, let me just be honest. We always, in the early 90s, smoked weed and we always helped others find weed and we were involved back then when it was absolutely not cool and not okay and totally. not taxed yeah. and not legal. Yeah. Um, and we, both of us came from families, well, me more so than you. I came from a family where I was made fun of and I was the black sheep for sure because of my cannabis use. Um, and so when I got around other people who liked cannabis, but were fun and outdoorsy and we, you know, play disc golf and we go do all these things. Um, I realized quickly in my younger years that it wasn't, uh, I grew up in a, a large family of alcoholics and it wasn't the same as what I was used to people partying or doing, you know, things where they ended up really silly. And, and I just, I quickly realized that cannabis was, was, not that bad. In fact, in some cases, it was really great. And it always, as when I was a teenager, it always made me feel less nauseous, I would say. I was like a nauseous teenager. So even before I knew it was medicinal, when I think back, when I was a teenager, when I'd get, get you know, really sick, I'd really want to smoke, but I would get in big trouble. And so um, I just knew that cannabis was a good thing in the right setting from a young age. And then when we got together back when we were, when I had the party, <laughs> we, we marched uh, for Robin Prosser. It was a woman in Missoula who has now passed away. And uh, she was going on a hunger strike because she had been, uh, I can't remember. She had gotten either thrown in jail or heavily fined for cannabis, but she was suffering from terminal cancer. And uh, she did a hunger strike because she wanted access to cancer. Or I'm sorry, she wanted access to cannabis. And um, she wanted access to cannabis, legal access, legal access to yeah. cannabis. And she finally um, passed away after a long, long battle. But we, that was a very, I remember it. We it was, marched in that, was in a, a big march, a bunch of people. Through, hundreds of people yeah. through yeah. Missoula to the courthouse. Uh, long before medical was even on the table. And so I think that was maybe for me and, and Aaron both together, the mark of true advocacy. I called out from work that day 
And then mm. I was on, on the, the front, front page. page of the newspaper <laughs> in the March. <laughs> so, oops. I, I totally, yeah, I, I commemorate that fight. I mean, it's sad that they're keeping it from anyone who needs it. Like someone in that state uh, of being, when you're in that discomfort and in that like end of your days and you're coping it's important to have something that you can lean on and that actually helps you feel normal or good at all. I mean, so uh, good work going out there. And, and I think maybe you made the right choice. It sent you in a whole new career yeah, path. Right. And uh, did, that's yeah. really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's a powerful you know, and kind after, of entry. After that time, we we went in the corp, both of us went corporate. We, you know, we worked hard for companies for years and years and years, um, knowing deep down that we wanted to do something eventually for cannabis. So it's good that it was good that we, we inspired each other again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. you you were the cell phone lady. You did 15 years in cell phone, 12, 12, 12 management, years in, in corporate yeah. cell phone America. And I was an executive chef for about 10 years and worked in the restaurant industry for yeah. almost 20. So, you know, long corporate careers, hardworking people. And we just took all that energy and focused it on our own projects, you know, and that was what, started our uh, career in the cannabis industry was really just a, a budtending job that inspired us to kind of start to get to know people in the community. Remember when you started working for Lionheart mm -hmm. about seven years ago? That was when we were inspired to start the festival in 2016. Um, it was pretty much uh, just a dream, really. I mean, there needed to be a hemp fest in Montana and we decided we'd We'd try it and it was uh we didn't have a plan we didn't have yeah. any money we didn't yeah. have any sponsors we didn't know anything and we just did it and it's crazy yeah that it came this far so far yeah i mean i bet those having those you know corporate careers or whatever probably gave you a lot of tools to kind of carry into you know making your dreams a reality spending all that time manifesting yeah. cell phone contracts and working in a yeah. in a kitchen you know i'm sure that was a lot of kind of uh training for the rigors of yeah. throwing a festival for the first time because you know i mean tools and connections you know and yeah. everything you know we use we use mild connections for catering gigs we use her old radio connections for you know all of our radio ads we do and we just you know we use all these people that we knew from our former career for for this project yeah, that really helps us you know um kind of build a community in missoula around it so what was uh, what was the thing that made you want to throw a festival? You just felt like, hey, you know, we like music and we want to bring more attention to the cannabis industry. Like, what made it feel like that was the vehicle to kind of uh, call more attention to to the things you care about? So, well, it was kind of an interesting chain of events. So after I uh, worked for corporate cellular for many years, I when I moved back to Montana and, and we got back together, I actually accepted a, a job in the in the radio industry. <laughs> and I started working for radio stations. And um, for six years, I worked in radio and I really enjoyed it. But at one point, the Missoula Hemp Fest, which was a long running festival of Missoula that was held in Karis Park by the Missoula Hemp Council, which was a great group of people. Unfortunately, they disbanded in 2014. And so in 2015, there was no Missoula Hemp Fest. And that was uh, an event we went to in our teens. Yeah. And it was, it was a- Smoke bowls it, on the hill. Yeah, it was just an event. <laughs> it, was a, it was a thing that was important and it was important to many people. Yeah. So uh, one of my clients actually at the radio station who owns some property 
thought that they should do it. They saw the, 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 the vision, but they had a different vision than I had, but they asked me to help. And, um, so as we got close to the, what was going to be the 2015 hemp fest, the, the unnamed person decided that there was, it wasn't going to, it was, it wasn't going to be successful enough. It was going to cost a ton of money. Like all of the realizations of throwing a festival just kind of happened at once. Yeah. They tried to throw it in a month. They tried to put it together. It was was just, so they pulled, they pulled the whole plan. They, they last minute canceled. Um, and I remember that day going home devastated because I had been working on it and I had, I'd really put some energy into this idea and I was, and I had no control. It was canceled and I was just bummed. And that, uh, that bum, bummedness started the talk is where this began. We said, you know what, let's, we, you, let's do it and let's do it in a different way. Let's do it without alcohol. Let's do it a more music festival, community focused. Let's do vendors. Let's cannabis centric, hemp centric. We had this vision and, um, and we took the risk and we just yeah. went for it at that point. Yeah. So it was actually a really great letdown that led to the festival. Yeah, that's it was amazing. crazy. We started, you guys, we started with with nothing, with no content, <laughs> no photos. Like we had to just come out. We came out of thin air. Yeah. And it was, you know, the first year was maybe a couple hundred people. It was, it was sad, but it was the beginning, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I so, mean, that's great for a first year festival. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. We yeah. had grand illusions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, may I just say... You yeah. <laughs> guys have created one of the most impressive events, uh, both in the hemp and cannabis world and just a festival in general that I've witnessed. And through Soul Seed and through my own ventures, I've seen a lot of events. And so you guys uh, have a couple beautiful minds. You you definitely put together oh, okay. something impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I think well, we, it wouldn't be as good without you guys. Ah, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> I it's think there's honor. like, it's such a beautiful, uh, you do a good job at mixing paying attention to the reason everyone's there, right? Like having speakers on hemp and cannabis and, you know, what's going on in Montana while still making sure it's like a fun event filled with music and and stuff. You know, I I think uh, sometimes hemp expos can get a little too heavy on the informational side. And sometimes there's none of that. Political, which political is important, but I think we all need a break from that. We thank you for noticing. We definitely try to put a, a balance in there. We're also both longtime festival kids, you yeah. know. I I I used to travel around to festivals. I won't even tell you how many days between showers, but <laughs> I something I probably <laughs> shouldn't say, but I was just a, I loved festivals and they were my place of freedom. And so as an adult uh, as we grew our families and be, you know, we thought Maybe we can't just travel to festivals all the time, but yeah, maybe we could throw one. Yeah, I was cool. done frequenting fish lots and going and traveling, and it was time to do something, you know, with all that. Yep. Yeah, I felt like festival to you. Time. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so how'd you Shut find... the span off real fast. Oh, cool. cool, cool. Um, so yeah, I was just going to ask, how did you guys find uh, the Lolo Hot Springs? Like what brought that piece of land to your attention? And that was kind of just the beginning when we, when it was, uh, you know, the time to okay, well, let's do this. How would we do it? Where would we do it? Would we have to buy a venue? Would we? We just didn't know, you know. And so, 
we just kind of got on the computer and started searching around and Googling up venues and kind of stumbled across it. I think we called and got a quote and, and it kind of, I think it was like in our ballpark of what yeah. we maybe afford. We, we had I mean, known that there had been festivals there before. That's true. Yeah. And so I think that was one thing that, uh, there had been some smaller festivals. They had had, uh, a, well, and the pirate party was a festival that got kind of big. It was known there. Yeah. So we knew that they were open to festivals. We knew it was beautiful. Um, like you said, it fit in our budget. I remember, remember when we looked at the cart track? Oh my gosh. Yeah. We, we looked at other places. Yeah. Um, but the festival or the Lolo hot Springs, it has the vibe and the That's acoustics good. and the space, not, not as much space as we need this year. Cause we've officially almost maxed the place out already. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I think uh, I think we lost you. The here. goal was there. We go. Oh, we had we did we had an internet issue there. It's back. You're back now. Full fidelity. Back. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Love it. Um, let's see. So the the we were talking the about venue. the hot springs. We chose the venue. We chose the yeah. yeah. And we decided that when we what we chose, we had to stick with it. We couldn't move it. We couldn't like it had to be there somewhere. I think it had that's to a- be near us you know we live in missoula and are near missoula so it's it's got to be somewhat local we couldn't have a venue that was on the other side of the state you know so it's it's kind of a lot of factors but man that place is beautiful and this year is going to be like packed yeah yeah it is incredible it's definitely a special place and i think that consistency does matter that's really smart of you so every single year has been at lolo yes yeah so far that's awesome that's awesome yeah. And then in 2000, and so the second year of the festival is when we created the Montana State Providers Cup. And so that is our, you guys know about that, that's our cannabis competition here in Montana where all the local uh, providers enter their strains, their concentrates, their edibles, their products into the competition. We do judges scores, we have lab testing, and then we give out all these amazing cups created by uh even like world renowned glass artists now. I mean, we've got some huge artists making these cups that are the awards. We're giving out 16 of them on 420 for the winter cup. And um, like Bob Snodgrass family for, for one example is making a four-way collab on one of the cups. Wow. Um, so we've really stepped it up in that department and the cannabis, uh, or the provider's cup has been a really cool addition to our event series. Yeah. Um, and that's twice a year in, in uh, summer and in winter. That's awesome. So what I got you into wanting to do that? Just knowing a lot of people in the industry and kind of wanting to call attention. To exactly. Yeah. I think after quite a few conversations with multiple providers, everybody claims they have the best stuff, right? So, you know, um, I, that's where it's spurred from because we we had so many friends in the industry and many of them in, in Montana, it's vertically integrated. So it's not like you can just be a retailer. You have to, all the providers are growers and retailers. Mm. It's it, at this point, the law makes it that way. And so, um, yeah, we just saw a lot of, uh, you know, kind shit talking and yeah. <laughs> people, people were just always saying, I got the best stuff. And, um, of course, we thought as a, a cannabis event planning company that maybe creating a Montana uh, competition would be the next natural step. And it was, and it it just has been fun. And I won't say easy. It's hard. It's, We've gotten pretty good at them. Though. But we yeah, have yeah. definitely <laughs> figured it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
That is a lot of organizing. And uh, as a cannabis enthusiast, it's fun to see what people think is the best and what how it rates against each other. And uh, and it's yes. just exciting when you get all these different strains and all this variety and get to enjoy it or, you know, judge it. Yeah, it's cool. One thing that we've learned over and over again is that when you're blind testing cannabis, often test results and judges scores are completely on, you know, we get a lot of people in the cannabis industry who come in and they're like, I want a 30% cannabis. I want, I want a strain, high THC. I want 30% or higher. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what everybody wants if they're shopping test results in a store, but you get these people who get, you know, 50 samples of flour numbered one through 50. They have no idea except for that it's a hybrid and indica or sativa. That's all the information they have. And often their most favorite, best effect, best tasting, 19% THC. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that comes in, you know, when you're trying to buy an eighth and get the bang for your buck, you're like high numbers. Like I want to smoke a little bit and get really high. But I find that when you're smoking regularly, it's like, I want it to taste good. I want it to smell good and to be an experience. So yeah. that's when it's like, if you get something that's well-rounded, that's going to be the one that you can smoke over and over again. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When, when legalization first happened, I was one of those people who go to this, you know, the shop and be like, give me your strongest stuff. But now I just yeah. want what tastes and smells the best. It's like, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's uh, the experience is all of it. And sometimes the numbers don't match to what you feel when you enjoy it, right? Like you can smoke exactly. a 15% cannabis, but if it tastes and smells delicious, you'll be smiling a lot more than if you just smoked a 35% that makes you cough your lungs out or whatever, you know? Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. I Some of my favorite strains that make me giggle like a, like a little kid are definitely not high testers. Yeah. Maybe in the terpene category, high yeah. testers, right? High yeah. terps, maybe that's where we need to look, right? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, a cool it, thing to spotlight too. It is such a meditation. It's like that when you sit and you're really enjoying it and enjoying the experience, that's what carries through. Yeah. 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 So, so elaborate a little bit on the provider's cup, just a little bit more. We, so this is our coming up this summer, we're planning our ninth event. So it's been, uh, we've done two a year now for four years and we're starting our fifth year of the, of that event. So, um, it's definitely been a long haul and it's been really fun and we've met, all these new providers and each time like this time we did the results the other night and we have a, a great group of providers but it's a, it's a huge mix of winners everyone's going to be really stoked and so um it's just evolving you know we're adding new artists and new providers and it's really cool to see the community come together at the at the events yeah that's beautiful private parties so how do how does the judging work in that like do you have random judges each time uh like how did how do you Yeah. So that's evolved over the years with the Montana state laws. And so um, the state law used to really make judging a fiasco. And I won't go into the details, but it was a lot harder than it is now. Recently, because of the untether, which is where you no longer have to choose a provider as a patient in Montana, you can shop at any store. Um, So now our patients are um, in most cases, I'm sorry, our judges are in most cases patients, but now Montana is evolving again. We just signed a recreational in. So that with that comes a new evolution of judges. But the current place uh, that we've been in is pretty much that if you get a judge's kit or a judge's pass, you'll get your uh, 
uh, under your allowed limit that you're allowed to carry in the, in the States in a, in a nice bag, completely organized, tiny little numbered packets, about a quarter of a gram or so each, um, or a half gram, kind of based on how many samples there are in your, the category you're judging. And we actually give people time to take those with them. And we ask for detailed notes and we ask for them to take time in between their samples. Um, unlike some, you know, some of the, the YouTube videos I've seen in Mon the Montana State Providers Cup is not a smoke-a-thon. Well, yeah. at some of the gatherings, you know, yeah. people <laughs> the celebration smoke though, and share. <laughs> It's not, that's not where the judging takes yeah. place. We ask that the judges takes time in between and really, you know. Up to a month or more even. Mm -hmm. We get them 40 days sometimes. Yeah. And then we get back after a long, long period of time, we get back a resin stained judges scorecard. <laughs> With funny notes. And dab, dab drops on it. <laughs> One guy had taped Q-tips. Yeah. Like he would, he'd Q-tip out his banger and that was like the residual. And then he'd tape that to the scorecard. Yeah, like, look how black, look how black that one it was. And you know. That's, that's thorough. Yeah, that's, I've, yeah. I've been a judge for a similar event and it it's fun and it's fun at first. And then there comes this point where it's like homework and you have mm -hmm. your notepad and you're like, I have to <laughs> like catch up. I have like six strains. I have to smoke tonight. I think we had, judge. we had like we two tried weeks it. to do a hundred strains or something like that. Oh, it that's was brutal. It wasn't. Yeah. And, and the samples were like, I think they gave us like an eighth or something for the samples or a half. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, it, I mean, it that's, was like, a, that's a lot. Thank you. It was, it was amazing. But yeah, it was one of yeah. those that I was excited when I got it. And then, you know, night before, as I'm like finishing off the last 20 strains. Like Magic said, it starts <laughs> to feel like a job all of a sudden. We tried to do it and we weren't going to count our score, but we were kind of like, where do we, you know, where do we lie on the on the judges realms? Are we, would we agree with all these judges scores? So one, yeah. one contest, one one the time. first and the last time we took a judge's kit, we made a judge's kit for ourselves in addition to the other judge's kits to just see how that process works. And we sucked at it really bad. <laughs> we shared it. We were just, we'd smoke a bowl and we'd be like, okay, that was a six, six, six. Yeah. Seven, six. Okay. Six. We'd write it down. We had to agree. Right. And then we got, I don't know, eight or 10 samples into the 65 sample kit. And we did like him. We got backed up by 10 and we were like, oh, fuck this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I and just, you're, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're like splitting hairs at some point where they oh, all yeah. are people's best. So it looks great. Exactly. It smells great. It's like you're judging these subtle nuances. And uh, it's once you get to so many, you're running out of things to even say about it. You're like, right. It's right. overwhelming, but it's so much fun. That's awesome it, that you guys it are is. That. I think the other thing for me is that uh, smoking is, like you guys were saying earlier, it's sort of a ritual. It's kind of like this thing that I do. It's a process. And so when you put sort of like a job involved yeah. in that, so I've, I kind of felt like you, you took my freedom away a little uh, bit. Yeah. yeah but we have yeah. judges that come back time and time again. It's exactly what they want to do. They, they you know, apply every time, yeah. try to get in. Um, because for some people, it is absolutely awesome. Yeah. It's a thrill, I bet, when yeah. you get that package and you're just like, I mean, it's a kid, kid in the candy store. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking uh, well, of that, the edibles judges, they truly have that look when yeah. they get their package. <laughs> That would be hard. That would be a challenge. And I want to say congratulations on that event and throwing so many events. That's really impressive. And it's a lot of work. So uh, good job.
Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, so, something I'm interested in uh, is just like you mentioned, uh, you know, the the laws are constantly changing, and how you've had to kind of readjust how the judges work. Um, how has the state and just like the law in general been treating you both? As you know, you've been kind of like prominent uh, figureheads in a way of of the um, you know marijuana movement, at least in Missoula and yeah. stuff like that. So, so have. Has um, it been difficult or, or have you, you know, has it I would say difficult? there's like a, there's a definite um, understanding, I would call it. Um, I feel like a lot of the officials, so currently the Department of Health and Human Services is who runs the medical marijuana program in Montana. Um, they've kind of pushed on us a little bit and, and we've always been super stringent about following rules at the festival and, and the Providers Cup. And we've pushed back firmly or stood our ground and said, that is not what we're doing and this is not illegal and here's why. Yeah. Or, you know, so I feel like we've had to uh, prove that we are prepared and worthy of this task multiple times to gain their respect. But since then. on the same yeah. kind of on the same side of that, we have gained their respect. I don't feel like we're uh, an enemy or anything like that. I, I do feel like we are asked uh, our opinion in some certain ways. In some cases, we're asked to help when things are are going you know awry. Like right now in Montana, there's a lot going on up in Helena that has a lot of the industry you know with the hair standing up on the back of their necks. And so there's definitely I feel like we definitely have over the last six years, put our, finally got into a place where we, we work very congruently with the, the, the program. Yeah, that's nice. That's really nice to hear. You've been, you become sort of ambassadors rather than having that like antagonistic uh, relationship. We had to remind them multiple times that we were here for the good of the program and that we are ambassadors and that we are, uh, you know, we are reputable to help this program, and we're not just a, a, a stoner bus with yeah. you know, bongs. <laughs> yeah. well, we used to get the calls before the providers cup back when we first started the event. That was like, "Hey, did you guys know that we heard that the cup's going to get busted?" Some, and, yeah, the cops yeah, are going to be there. We're like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be the laziest bunch of people ever to like to bust in at ten o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. Hang out on the couch. Like, that, was, that was always kegs half full. Yeah. <laughs> the events that we throw, nobody nobody finishes. A, a keg has never been finished. <laughs> well, and it's nice when you are following all the laws. It's like, let them come. Let them check it out and prove to them that we're doing the right thing. And, and it kind of changes yeah. the stigma again. So, so good on you. That's awesome. I always said they'd be super embarrassed if they showed up and everything was in order and they made a big hazagaza and they showed up and then <laughs> yeah. they had to say bye and... You know, I was like, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. like you say, that's if you don't have anything to hide, there's no worry, Never no worries. Happened. You know. <laughs> yeah, and you know, speaking of Helena, I'm not exactly familiar with with what you guys are dealing with, but I know that in these states where it's like you're trying to legalize recreational in the whole state, like in Oregon, for instance, there's a total divide of you know, there's the West Coast where everybody's really down for it, and then there's the rural areas where people are still behemothly against it, and so it can be hard to to pass laws that work for everyone sometimes, and. Um, it can be quite the rigmarole. That's what we're going through here. We're definitely going through uh, where this has been a pretty conservative state for many, many years. 
medical has has had its trouble just to get uh, into a place where we are now, which is a somewhat functional program. And now that recreational is on the table in Montana, it's unfortunately turning into a people see money. And that's scary for those of us who see sick patients every day. And so um, we we try we fight for the legalization and the rec, you know the decriminalization of this plant, but we we struggle with the people who have put others in in prison trying to now come in and profit off of it. It's, yeah. it's hard to accept. And Montana has yeah. uh, the typical thing where we we're seeing the, the dollar signs in people's eyes and, and it's, it's scary. We need to keep track yeah. of what we're doing here. Yeah. That's, I mean, uh, that's one of the most horrible things is seeing all these States legalize, but then keep people in prison for yeah. offenses that are not legal. It, it's like, you know, are you just saying, well, because this person broke the law, they deserve to be in prison. But if we're now deciding as a community that, hey, this shouldn't be illegal, it should never have been illegal. You know, why aren't we forgiving these people, you know, who are primarily minorities too. And then you have other people who are coming in and profiting, uh, you know, unfairly off of that situation. It's really hard. And it also seems like, you know, navigating the medical and recreational is a really difficult thing because, you know, there's nothing else that I can think of that like that, right? You don't have like, recreational Xanax and, and medical right, Xanax. Right, so, right. So like how, how, you know, finding that line is really difficult. And, and yeah, like, you know, it's, you never want, you don't want patients to be, um, you know, tossed to the cold because now exactly. we're trying to make a bunch of money off of recreational, but at the same time, you don't want to keep it illegal and keep putting people in jail for just smoking weed. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's gotta be. It is. It's, it's a, that's, I, that's why I firmly believe that it needs to be done on a federal level so that there is no longer the state to state, you know, we drive 65 miles to the West and we're, we're felons in yeah. Idaho um, and, and you guys on the other side of Idaho, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's a really unfortunate thing that we're all so, it's hard to even know what what laws you're following. We flew through out of Eugene uh, a little while ago, and we had some dabs in our carry-on. And uh, they pulled <laughs> our bag aside, and I was like, gosh, you know, this was stupid. I don't know why I did that. But I'm like, well, it's a recreational state, and I'm a medical patient. on It should be fine. And, you know, after a, a, quite the debacle, he pulled out a thing, a hair gel and said, you can't have this. <laughs> do you want to surrender it? Or do you want to take it out to your car? And I mean, we're like, you can have it. And then he put yeah. all our weed back in the bag and sent us on our way. And I was just <laughs> like, that was crazy. <laughs> so you know, the little marijuana symbol in the rec states, you know, on the dab. I know Oregon and Washington. I mean, the clear, it was a clear Ziploc and there's at least eight or ten of those little <laughs> things with those little symbols on them right on the top and he like grabbed that and moved it and then searched the bag and then put it back and then that's so funny it's like the things have changed man not it's what crazy. he was looking for yeah so it's really weird it's a trip you know yeah yeah i mean it's that that's one of the craziest things when you know touring through the states is you know we'll have pot with us and in one in one state we can go into a store a store and buy it in the very next state like in wyoming it's illegal to even be high if if a if an officer looks at you and says i think you're intoxicated on marijuana they can oh pull you in you know piss test you and then if you even have it in your system because there's no way to tell if you're high in the moment they'll just say oh. yeah you were high right then 
and we're going to give you a ticket that's for being mess. intoxicated. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's right next to a state where you can purchase it legally in a store. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it has to be done federally, at least to get a baseline. Like there should there should be no one going to prison for doing this. And we need to start dealing with how do we get people out of prison that are already there for this? And how do we make sure that people who need it medically still get what they deserve and aren't, you know, turned into machines of profit, you know? So. Right. And if we can put it into our state's bank for taxes, we should be able to bank. Yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest, one of the yeah. hardest parts. Yeah. 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 That's yeah I, I think in Oregon, we have something where the capital Salem, it's like any company who's a cannabis company has only one resource to do any kind of banking or any kind of like digital purchasing and it's all happening through Salem. And I don't know if that's still true, but it's such a headache for all these companies who have to drive thousands of dollars up to Salem and take the risk just to use the one yeah. bank that allows it. And uh, there is a total money grab happening. Uh, watching it go through Oregon, it's like there's companies now who are producing low quality cannabis and you can tell they're new to it, but they see the money signs and they're getting yeah. into it and trying to produce. And it's, it's sad when enthusiasts like all of us are, you know, like that shouldn't even be on the market. Like you shouldn't be growing with those, uh, right. pro, you know, so it's, yeah. it's hopefully going to really equalize and become good quality and good medicine for everyone who wants it. Well, yeah. it's really hard because you can go into a dispensary in Oregon and buy an ounce that's sixty dollars or an ounce that's three fifty, and you can put them next to each other and go, "Is there two hundred ninety dollars worth of difference here?" You know, mm -hmm. and I don't understand that. I can't. I don't. I mean, I know different growers and at the hype and whatever, but <laughs> I don't get that. You know? Yeah, I yeah, agree. No. I agree. Yeah, especially for your average consumer who who you know doesn't have that extra two hundred ninety dollars to spend, even if they thought it was worth it, right? You know, it's like yeah, yeah I'll just buy the sixty dollar weed. I don't even know where it's coming from, and then you know, lo and behold, it's somebody who's just trying to make a quick buck. And, and, and the sixty dollar stuff would go for two hundred in Montana. Yeah, yeah, know? all day long. Well, it used to. We'll see. Or, I mean, we'll see how our market fares after. Yeah, this. yeah. <laughs> right now it was. It wasn't even that bad, is what I'm saying. Right. It wasn't yeah. like dirt trash or anything. Yeah. It was. It was like well. 60 bucks. Wow. Right. Yeah. Hard to see why there is that difference there. It's, it's crazy the, the too. Your price, your frame of reference changes. Like when I'm shopping in a dispensary now, it's like, I remember buying $50 eighths. And now it's like, yeah. sometimes I'll spend 25 on an eighth and I'm like, Oh, that seems expensive, but it's just, you know, perspective <laughs> changes over time. So it's, it's so yes. strange how, uh, how that happens. And same with, same with dabs and, and medibles. It's like companies are all trying to, to regulate how, what's the value here and people are shorting others and, and raising prices in other spots. So it's a, uh, it's funny how that develops. Yeah. Especially like, you know, I feel like so much of what went into creating the market price for cannabis was the fact that it was illegal, right? Like it's, you know, there's yeah. that kind yeah. of risk yeah. has been baked into the price but then that price went right into the legal price, right? So that's kind of like an interesting thing to think about there is, you know, how right. is this how is this all making sense? Which, you know, and here? from somebody who's who's been on both sides, I can tell you that the legal cannabis industry is so expensive, you know? So it's interesting it that, that, yeah. that what you say has happened because it used to be illegal. Um, so we used to have the higher price, but I used Free. to not have to track it through yeah. seed to sale with stickers and compliance and testing. And yeah. so it's really an interesting animal because 
man, back in the black market days, the risk was what you were paying for. Yeah. And you didn't even know what strain you were getting, if it had neem and chemicals and you know yeah. and so it's just yeah. it's just really great it's cool to live through this this era this time sour diesel man yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. like okay yeah. BC this, this yeah. triggers me so so we like to ask five questions to to our guests and this triggers me to wonder what is your individual favorite strain if either of you have a strain that that heights over others or a, even a cannabis product that is a favorite I'm always looking for cotton candy or candy land strains. Um, I love the cotton candy strain if it's done right. I've been disappointed in rec states before, just like every garden, you get something bad. I love cotton candy. Um, and then my probably all-time go-to is birthday cake strains. Mm -hmm. I love birthday cake strains. And it's not I, – I feel like I, I'm hungry, but it's just <laughs> – yeah. Birthday cake and cotton candy for me. Uh, I'm not picky, but I'm sick mostly in the indica realm and flower and uh, and and concentrates. I really enjoy live resin a lot. We've been getting some great stuff in Oregon from higher cultures, which is just absolutely phenomenal um, and very low prices too. I mean, stuff that we could sell for fifty or sixty gram in Montana is twenty five over there. So beautiful. But what's your favorite strain? I don't know. I don't have a favorite. He doesn't have a yeah. favorite stream. Yeah. No, that's just fair. like it's cannabis. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I can tell you what my favorite Soderly strain is. <laughs> the Star Killer. Star, Star Killer OG. That's one of my faves. Right here. Look. Love it. Awesome. Yeah, I'd have a similar answer. I don't have a, a strain. I just like the Indicas, but it's so hard. I mean, because I feel like, you know, like you said, Shelly, like this, it totally depends on who's growing it, right? You can right. have a strain. But sometimes, is it even actually that strain, or did someone just? Uh, uh, I'm going to call it this because I like the name. Yeah, I think that the the breeding of cannabis has really ruined in a, in a lot of cases ruined the strains because mm. you just to your point, you just don't know, and sometimes something that you think is something doesn't resemble the last thing that you thought it was. Yeah, <laughs> the strain that all the modern breeding that's taken place has really washed out the gene pool. Yeah. in my opinion and so it's like you never know who gave who what cut yeah you can't rely on that and who mislabeled it and what garden. yeah or whatever yeah. there's a million <laughs> ways for it to go wrong and that's why it's like everything's a hybrid yeah when it's probably yeah. also the the uh the result of people always looking for those high numbers right is i'm sure breeders a lot of the times are just like how do we get those numbers up we gotta get these numbers right. up or whatever and yeah you're sacrificing the terpenes and the flavor and other things to yeah. get that ultimate thc kind of result yeah for me i think it's a uh, terpene it's it's a uh, i'm like mimosa but again i've found phenotypes of it where it's not citrusy and it's like that's what i really love is when it just tastes and smells like oranges i don't know what it is but that's that's yeah. one that i love to go to and so uh it's hard like when you're in the shop you're okay you have mimosa you have point break you have these ones that you say are orangey but let me smell it and then i'll kind of decide for myself right. which one has that citrus nose Right. Well, now I know what to bring you in September because I got a strain that's oh, got an orangey, orangey. Oh, yeah, sour tangy. Sour tangy, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or like forbidden fruit. I've seen some of that where it's so purple, it'll turn your bong water violet. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, I don't even know how that works, how the how the color comes through. But um, that's cool. That's a good tagline. Yeah. So purple, it'll turn your bong water violet. <laughs> <laughs> 
how how have you guys been received uh in lolo like are people supportive um is is the venue itself supportive or do you find any backlash from the community i'd say overall they're supportive they they like us they like having our event there it's like one of their biggest weekends of the year obviously they get you know sell out crowds at the bar at the restaurant at the pool the hotel there the lodge sells out that the rooms that we don't put you guys in they all sell out so i mean it's it's a really great uh financial weekend for them and it's a fun weekend for all the employees everybody loves it so overall it's been really well received and so i think everybody looks forward to it every year up there i think like we're about 90 percent uh positive we i drive around with a big logo on the side of my vehicle that says the montana state hemp and cannabis festival and it has a giant cannabis leaf on it and i get 90 percent honks thumbs up peace signs high fives and then there's the 10 percent of people who are absolutely disgusted with me (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. that's just kind of in general i wouldn't say in low low as much as just in general yeah Yeah. it's kind of you know 90 percent that's a good ratio yeah, that's, that's good. I'll We're take, cruising I'll down the freeway. People pull up next to us, like, "Hey, what's up?" <laughs> <laughs> that's um, funny. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's. I can relate to that even just in in our uh, music. You know, when we're driving around, we get uh, mostly people honking and excited and supportive, and then every once in a while, you get a curmudgeon. You know, yeah, a, a scowl. <laughs> so like... yeah, someone can't tell that we can see out the bus windows, and they're just staring at us. <laughs> You do. How, uh, I get the lady who scowls and like rolls her eyes, and then I can tell she's like, "Look away, Harry! <laughs> <laughs> Don't let it burn your retinas." The horrible pot, please. Oh, how how do you guys go about securing some of the bigger acts that you've had? I mean, you guys have had the movement, you've had Fortunate Youth, you've had Tribal Seeds. Like, how do you go about contacting these groups and uh, and securing a band like that? Well, I I am personally the agent booking person. Uh, I'm relentless. <laughs> uh, I would say um, we've really just created a good reputation with, when we first brought, let's say, Tribal Seeds um, in, I believe that was 2004. 16. Really? Six. 2017 2017 um you know we that was one of our biggest uh i would call it a risk for sure we were really we were really putting it out there and um we made a really uh, a solid uh commitment to making sure that that was a good experience for them uh with very limited resources up there and very limited experience from aaron and i we made sure that everything that we could do and that we knew what to do was was good. And so I, I would say that the way that we've continued to, to build the momentum is to build a good reputation in the music community, make yeah. sure that everybody goes back and says, we had such a great time. They took good care of us. The communication was there. You know, um, that's huge because I think one bad experience, as we all know, you know, it's shared. Yeah. And um, so, so making sure that the bands have just the most amazing time while they're working, they also feel like they're relaxing at our festival. That's yeah. been a big part of it. Yeah. And then I feel like other bands talk to, you know, they say, hey, we, we've got an avail for the Montana State Hemp Fest. How was that? And, you know, hopefully if they asked you guys yeah. that, 
you'd you'd say good things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you take amazing care of us and like every artist friend that we've had there. I mean, yeah, it's and and not just like the the way that you you know take care of us personally, giving us cool things like horseback rides at the hotel and and you know ganja to smoke and and stuff like that. But but um, you know the just taking care of all the little things like making sure the stage there's a you know the stage is well supplied like the there's going to be good sound equipment that there's good lighting um all these other little things that you know make the festival feel complete and like you've thought through everything and especially you know like i, I think we were there the first year at least the second i know and um yeah you know it, it it was amazing right off the bat and you know we've we've been in a lot of a part of a lot of first year festivals and i'm not going to put anyone under the bus or name any names but uh it does not normally go that smooth the first <laughs> four years people run a festival right there's so many things to, to take into account so i mean yeah and i know that friends of ours that uh, either got an offer from you or we referred to you like yeah all we do is say you're gonna love this festival and we're gonna love hanging out with you <laughs> so yeah, yeah. A long way, you know? i would that. i would definitely say that's a huge thing too is uh you know sometimes when you're working with a manager a production crew there's business it's all business and you guys are like our good friends uh you know so we just look forward to seeing you again and, and coming and hanging out and it's like that is such a big part of wanting to come when it just feels comfortable you feel welcomed it's not just like a business venture it's like well yeah, yeah i want to yeah yeah 100 percent and that balance well, the Montana like, State Hempfest is selfishly like we bring all our favorite bands and and, yeah. and, <laughs> yeah. and watch you guys. It's it all kind of started like first year we had Pato as our headliner and we had some local bands. We had a very, very small budget. But then second year, we were sitting in our house in the winter on our bed with our laptop and we found you guys on Sugar Shack. And that was how we mm -hmm. found you guys. Awesome. And that was how we continued to find bands. And it was like fortunate youth the movement it was they all kind of started falling in place yeah. and that's still to this day where we find a lot of the people that we wish to book and that we've brought over you know yeah. um and we're continuing to do that because it's a great platform yeah sugar shack is amazing i mean they've they've yeah. been responsible for a huge portion of our career honestly and yeah know, the luck of uh you know we went to florida at the right time and got in yeah. there while they were just starting out and you know they did an amazing job of just like we'll give people free stuff and then, you know, we'll share a little success here. And and yeah, so that's that's yeah. cool to hear they've been, uh, who's kind of supplied you with your musical uh, <laughs> cast. Awesome. For sure. It's like, who do we want to bring this year? You know, we always talk about that. Who's, who you've been listening to? And we just, just Shelly just started sending out avails, you know? And so we have got a good reputation in the, the just be in the beyond the bands community too, like the, all the, you know, the people that work for these companies, they're booking us and they're working for us, know who we are now. And so, you know, we actually have a good reputation instead of being like, Ooh, I don't know. I don't think you should <laughs> yeah. go to that one. <laughs> Way up in the boonies of Montana. Yeah. There's no cell phone service. There's no internet. It sounds Perfect. dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I think that's, uh, I was going to bring up, I think that's one of the things that is kind of nice about the festival is, you know, obviously no one this day and age really looks forward to being without service or like disconnected or few people do but i think a lot of people when they are there especially you know immersed in the awesome festival and all the the stuff going on you're able to kind of like tap into things a lot more than you're right you you're so right on your uh, a song today came on by an artist who's going to be there mike love 
Mm. be here now. Uh, and it was, it's actually called be thankful, but there's a, there's a part that slows down and he says, be here now. And it, and it, that's what I thought about is I thought at the festival, it's like that. Cause I was thinking about him playing this year and yeah. I thought, you know, when you're there, you can really be there right now, you yeah. know, no distraction, just, it, just taking it in. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, in the day and age of cell phones, man, I mean, I we all use our phones for work and for play and for other things and slacking off and whatever. But um, it's like it's really sometimes we're sad to see the way the society has gotten with the, the phone thing. So at, at the festival, it's really refreshing because there's really nothing you can do except take pictures and, and make memories. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's a good moment to kind of notice those things where it's like, oh man, I'm so used to just like looking at my phone whenever I don't know what to do with my eyes and I can't do yeah. that. It's great. I got to engage. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Aaron, let me transition into a little specific question to you. How long have you sure. been blowing glass and what drew you into that interest? Uh, yeah, you should do that right over there. They can edit that out. So, okay. Yeah, we're gonna do some bomb hits. Oh hell yeah! Right. You're free. You guys can leave that or edit it out. Long hits as you want. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll edit it if you want, but otherwise we can. You don't have to. I just didn't know if you thought it was alright. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I started blowing glass back when Shelly and I met. Is when I first kind of learned. I was hanging out at this local shop in our neighborhood. We used to ride bikes everywhere when we were slanging weed and all that. And I was always stopped by this glass shop and watch these guys blow glass these, these few dudes that work there and i just really got interested in it and uh so then i learned to make pipes in this production shop we'd go down there and we'd make 50 to 60 70 pipes a night with the three or four of us we you know just one person does one step one person does the next step and so that was kind of how i learned and then um funny shelly and i would take like a i'd make a case of pipes and we'd take them up on the fall course and we'd like smoke bowls on the benches and try to sell sell my pipes it was like that was our first glass selling adventure but uh so that then i took about i want to say like 15 years off i kind of did my chef career and i just didn't um i just wasn't blowing glass at all didn't have a setup at all and then uh, about Seven years ago, right about when we started the festival, I was still chef and I was working at a local Missoula restaurant called the Top Hat. You guys played there. Um, and uh, I was executive chef there for three years. And Shelly and I kind of had this, we just had our Stella, who's now six. We just had her, she's baby. And uh, I needed, we needed to figure out a daycare situation because we didn't want to send her to daycare. So I decided to stay home and try to blow glass more and watch Stella. And Basically, since then, it's been a failed endeavor. <laughs> I, I transitioned from that into, then we slowly started getting into the cannabis industry. And I I wouldn't say failed. The glass failed. is beautiful. It's just never been a business. It's never yeah, it's been, like a, been a, a business. And it's, yeah. never, it's always something that takes a back burner because um, I, I just, I'm, I'm really busy with everything else we do. And it's hard to sometimes find the motivation to go out there at 10 o'clock at night after a long day or whatever it is. And so... It's not a priority of my life. It's one of the things I always tell myself I want to do more of, and I just don't do it, you know? And so we did put some money in the shop this year. We've got Shaden. He's got his own torch and his own setup. What I have really done is I've passed on a lot of my knowledge to him, and I've taught yeah. him how to blow glass. I've taught Austin, um, which is a really close friend of ours. He's our stage manager at the festival. You guys oh, nice. have met him before. Yeah. 
he, I taught him how to blow glass and he's got a, or had a torch out there just recently moved uh, to another town. But so I've passed on my knowledge. I feel like I've really helped a couple of youngsters learn how to blow glass and hopefully Shay, our son will be more into it as he gets older. You know, um, I feel like he's in this gap where he was into it and now he's kind of not because he's a lazy teenager. Yeah. And then maybe eventually he'll realize what he has. But he's so talented. He's so talented. He can yeah. go out there and bust out a spoon. Like it's nothing, you know, That's like amazing. Um, and so, you know, I, I've really been inspired to teach more than blow glass, but every, I literally think about it every day that I need to go out there and make something, but. And when he does, when he finds the time, when it's very rare and far and few and in between, he makes something spectacular. And it's usually something that sits in the, in the store for either a short time and sells immediately or is, is, you know, just People just love it. So yeah, on a high shelf, um, illuminated. Yeah. Glass. So <laughs> he won't say that himself, but that's what that's <laughs> what's awesome. going on. <laughs> so it's kind of a love hate thing, not hate, but love, and don't have enough time for it. It's a it's a I grind. Yeah. yeah, it's a grind. I mean, I can relate to like you, once you get in there, it's not like you can multitask. You're blowing glass. Like you're pretty much doing that until you're finished with your project. So uh, it's hard to just hop in and out of doing it. And uh, I I do it as a hobby and it can sometimes make a little money on the side. So it's uh, it interested me in your beginnings. And, uh, and I think that that's awesome. I, I learned from my cousin and there's nothing quite like being handed that skill set or shown it. Yeah. So it's a pretty magical thing. And um, I have seen a little bit of your work and it's awesome, man. So that's yeah, I just great. wanted to big up you on that. That's so of cool. Course. Appreciate you asking. Maybe someday we'll, I'll step it up. <laughs> it's my goal. I'm going to keep working on it. Come out to our shop in Montana. Yeah, let's collab. Let's collab. Well, yeah, I would love that. <laughs> I'll make a bunch of like little marbles that you can put on a piece. Yeah, that would be Heck fun. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I cook too. So I think that we have some similar interests in life, my friend. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. What got you into uh, into being an executive chef? How'd you, how'd that happen? Wow. So I just was in the industry my whole life. I was kind of, that was what I did when I was, you know, when I was working in my 20s, I was just working in restaurants. Yeah. You know, cooking, working behind the bar, server, just all the all the positions in a restaurant for many, many years. And then just, you know, I slowly worked my way up in the kitchen. I got a gig at Finn and Porter when it was, well, I guess you guys don't live here, but there was a restaurant used to be called Finn and Porter in Missoula. It's like one of the nicer places. When I was uh, 26 or 27 as a cook, and then over the course of about a year, the sous chef and the exec chef both moved on, and I kind of was able to slide into one and and work my way into and win the second position as the exec chef over there so that kind of kicked uh, kick-started my career as um the head of the kitchen which i'd always kind of been just a cook or a you know sous chef before so yeah. and that kind of led to all these other opportunities and long hours and all <laughs> that kind of stuff that i left behind to get in the cannabis industry because i you know while you're serving people i really like serving people my dishes, my food, my creations. And it was really um, rewarding. What we do now, because when we work in the medical industry is so, so much more rewarding, you know? Yeah. Um, I worked with, a, I could say a veteran today that had never used cannabis, that had some PTSD, some pain, some sleep issues, and was ready to start his journey. And I spent like almost an hour with him talking him through stuff. And he's going to go off tonight and, and he's going to have a whole new outlook on life. Yeah, wow. Oh. I sent him, you know, with all these great things. And so 
helping people has really become my focus and our focus. And um, on the side from the festival, you know, our day job is to help people um, that are dealing with cancer, that are dealing with pain, that are, you know, dealing with stress and anxiety, all these things that cannabis helps with, you know, is, it's amazing. It's like the wonder drug. Beautiful. So, yeah. That's awesome. And then Shelly, how did you get into radio? What was your experience like in that? Um, yeah, that's a good question. So after, after many years in the cellular industry, I lost my job uh, due to some really unfortunate unfor circumstances. I was actually fired. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a sad situation. And I was, I would say, I would, this is a lot like the festival thing. I would say it was a bad thing, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me mm. um, because uh, the company that I had sold cell phones to the radio station, um, they had come, we had like a, I had ad done advertising on this radio station a lot and I'd voiced commercials for the cell phone oh, right company. On. And so when I lost my job at the cell phone company, the radio station said, you've always had a great radio voice. Do you want to go work at the radio? And so I just quickly transitioned into that. I was terrified and, and, and bummed and I thought it was the worst thing ever. And it was actually the best thing because I really enjoyed the radio industry. And then that's what I transitioned back to Montana doing was I accepted a job at a, at a radio station here. And so it brought me back to this guy. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's where it all started after that. All downhill from there. <laughs> and then the rest is history. Well, I want to commemorate your, uh, or, you know, like honor your voice because uh, you're usually the MC of the events and I have witnessed you lose your voice on on a few occasions. And, Thank you. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's uh, you definitely put it to work and, and She's you learned. sound awesome on a mic. Yeah. She's gotten better. She She's learned the tricks of, like she used to go around the festival and talk to everybody and everyone's like, Oh, Hey Shelly. And I had a question for you now. She's just like, yeah, that's, that's so hard. I don't talk to anybody. You know, she talks to me, it's talks a to a few, like a few people on the walkie talkie. Other than that, it's kind of like, yeah, good to see you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, that's otherwise she's by the end of the weekend, she's toast, you know? Yep. I'm talkative. It's really hard. Yeah. I'll just talk all day. Yeah. And so, as you know, you know, up there on the stage and running through the, the entire weekend, um, I, I can't talk. I can't be talky. I can only talk on stage. <laughs> yeah, when you're in a festival, it's like a loud environment and you don't notice it necessarily, right? You're just talking to people, but you're really yeah. shouting at people the whole time. And then they're exactly. shouting. Too. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, like with same, we go through the same thing when, you know, we're touring and like all of us sing and, you know, we're like seeing people we haven't seen for months and like everyone's got a little liquor in them and we're talking in a loud bar and, you know, if yeah. you're not careful, you, you end up wearing your voice out in one night, and <clears throat> let alone singing yes. on top of that. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a hard thing to manage because it's like, well, I want to have I want to talk to people, but oh, I can't because then I won't be able to speak anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, it is absolutely. weird. I don't I think that people that don't do a lot of that, a lot of professional talking or singing, you don't you don't often wear your voice out. So it's not something you think about very often unless you're in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's my, my if, if I if anybody feels like I'm rude to them at festival, I'm I'm just saving my voice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally legit. On the other end of that, too, I'll find, you know, people shouting right into your ear when you're, like, trying to lean in because it's loud. And then it's, like, next thing you know, you go on stage, you can't quite hear right because somebody just blew out your eardrum. It's <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a struggle. You, you've done great. I think you navigate the, uh, the telling people, you know, you can't speak well because that is important. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, we so, got this year. We're looking forward to it. So the Providers Cup Awards ceremony is on Saturday night, just like it usually is. And this year we've got you guys, I will tentatively, but we always kind of put them right after the award ceremony. So it's just going to be packed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For Soul Seed. Dish. I mean, I mean, like more yeah. packed than it's ever been. We usually do Soul Seed before the awards. And we, it's yeah. Last be... year we did or two years ago. We did it after. Did we? And it okay. was great. And this year is going to be going to be amazing. It's going to move fast we'll be, on Saturday night. We'll be ready for you. Oh, it's yeah. going to be Soul Seed, Mike Loved, and Fortunate Youth. Like, look at that. Oh, that's going to be an excellent Love it. reunion. You Good job. Since Mike everybody's Love, hanging out, that by the end of the night, everybody will be back on stage together. <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I always love that moment. That's definitely something special that you guys foster is uh, everybody jamming together. Like we've gotten on stage with some of these other artists because it's just a family vibe. And it's like, here, yeah. like, let's just jam together. And yeah, yeah it, it creates and beautiful things come out of those moments. Usually, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. I remember slamming I on the, the djembe with magic and playing with fortunate youth and just having a good time. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, well, yeah, let's you guys, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Um, oh, for sure. We do like to ask these questions. So we might we might round this out with the tail end of asking a couple more silly questions just to get to know you. Uh, what is your favorite animal? Each of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's a funny question. Well, I can just tell you that we have 64. Five to 70, 80 chickens. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, I actually have like, right now I have about 15 baby chicks that have hatched in the last wow. couple of days downstairs. More eggs in the incubator. Uh, yeah, I got about 25 eggs incubating and I have probably... Uh, counting the ones that I've got yeah, probably about 70 chickens outside. So I'm officially a crazy chicken lady. <laughs> <laughs> and I've ended up the, by default, the chicken husband. <laughs> chicken man. Well, that's, that's a But then I think we have to mention that we have laying underneath us, we have two over 100 pound Newfoundland dogs that oh, we love. Beautiful. Really, so. Yeah. <laughs> We're animal love, people. Yeah, I love big dogs. We have a ton of pets, me and my partner. And uh, I think that that's awesome because, you know, with chickens and like with a small farm, you get food, you know, you, you get yes. to reap the benefits of those eggs. And then, yeah, obviously uh, incubating them and watching them grow is such a cool process. Yeah, watching really them hatch, cool. it's crazy. You know, I was thinking about this morning because we had a huge influx of eggs. We were gone last weekend and we had a bunch of them that had cracked and I... I scrambled the eggs and I fed them to the chickens, which some people might think that's weird. But in that moment, you have animals that are feeding themselves. And that's pretty cool. Very. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, yeah. I think the chickens do that themselves anyway, don't they? Don't they? They uh, do. Like, and, you something. know, if they they were just the cracked ones and I don't like to eat those or feed them to the family if they've sat out cracked. So I yeah. feel like it's perfect and they're so happy. It's good calcium for them. And what other animal feeds themselves? Yeah. Yeah, one of those things. And like, buys their own food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, um, so then next, I know you guys love to travel. You've been uh, traveling internationally already. You've seen some awesome places. But I wanted to ask where you want to travel, where you haven't been, or maybe where your next destination is going to be. Oh, gosh, we have a list. We love to travel, definitely. Uh, what we spend our any time or extra time and, and we save money to do is travel. Um, 
I really want to go to Thailand, but I am, I need to do it in some sort of a slow, like I can't fly. I've heard it's, it's like, like 35 world, hours or tour. something. So I want to get to Thailand, but I have no grand illusions of doing some marathon because as much as I love to travel, I'm kind of a terrible flyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very motion sick. <laughs> so uh, I'm thinking Thailand eventually. Um, we've got an upcoming trip. Yeah, yeah, but they said where we you said your next maybe your next destination. Oh, so. we're going to the Bahamas mm, soon. Nice. Um, we're taking our kids to Atlantis, which is like the coolest water park in the history of the world. Yeah. When I was a kid, go. I wanted to go there with my dad, like really, really bad. So because of the commercials, the, <laughs> oh, yeah, commercials, the commercials on TV. It. Yeah, yeah, they do exactly. So we're, uh, yeah, we're definitely gonna awesome. do that. That's a that's a family thing, and and I guess like the Thailand thing, we have we have this trip schedule we'd like when our kids are older, mm-hmm. and then we kind of yeah. have a trip schedule for family yeah. family fun. What we really want to do, we've always talked about it, is just pick a like. One day, this is when the kids are older and gone, and then moved away, and it's just Shelly and I, is to just pick a, a, a flight to Seattle and just jump on it one day. And then when you get there, do whatever you want. Stay in a hotel, maybe grab another flight, go to San Francisco, maybe not. Maybe go to Mexico if you want to. And just yeah. literally take a month and just go wherever you feel like it. Yep. Without awesome. any plans at all. Yep. That was one of our dream trips. That, that's a great way to travel. I went to uh, Mexico with my girlfriend a couple years back, and or my fiance now. And uh, we went to, we just flew in. And then we just like didn't book anything else. We were there for like three weeks. All we had was our like flight there and our flight back. And then just kind of like, where do we want to go today? Let's go over here. Let's go there. And it's it's nice to have that kind of like, yeah. them in your travel it makes it feel like more of an adventure than just like a prescribed exactly. vacation exactly and we're event planners by trade so i think that's what we like about traveling is being not planned going with the flow yeah our, our days at home with kids and and farm and, and work is very planned and so i think uh, the beauty of travel is just ending up wherever yeah. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. yeah, fun to just look at a terminal and like, when's the next flight out? <laughs> let's let's go there. Let's yeah. do it. Cool. Cool. Uh, where's, the, where's there a 15 degree pri- uh, heat increase? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah. Uh, so one of our questions was, what strain is your favorite? We already asked that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch it up and say, of edibles, uh, concentrate and flour, what's your favorite way to enjoy cannabis? Flour. I'd say we're both flour yep. for sure. We don't eat edibles because they don't affect us really at all. Yeah. Uh, in any way, um, even in large doses, <laughs> we've tried. Uh, <laughs> and we always have friends that are like, "We'll get you high. I mean, we'll do, we'll do it." And they give us this large, like thousand milligram doses that are just <laughs> oh, wow, ineffective. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those deals. We just don't. <clears throat> and then dabs. I do. We do like concentrates, um, yeah. definitely. But it's always second. And then we'll go, we'll go days without a dab sometimes just by accident. Yeah. And then be like, oh, let's get the puff go out, you know? Yeah. So, but flower every day, you know, for sure yeah. to get through the day. Definitely. And um, Stella, our six-year-old, heard you asking a place that we wanted to go and travel. And she came up to in- interject that she she really wants to go to Disneyland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, Disney World. Oh, Disney World. Disney World. Oh, okay. Specifically. Nice. Uh, that's so a good... That's, We've never been there. It's an important specification. I've been to both. Disney World's definitely the better one to go to. Is it? <laughs> Michael says Disney World, a good choice. Okay. 
Good. She is, yeah, she she, is. she definitely needed me to remember that because I did tell her we would do that. <laughs> at some point. And you guys, Stella was in uh, like a little hand carrier when you guys played. Yeah. Like almost that small, yeah. right? When you guys first played Hempfest. Yeah. Now look at her. Come here, Stella. Come around and say so hi. So cute. Hi these guys. I'm our sure little, all the kids have a different baby. She, She's at every festival. <laughs> hey, Stella. Hi. Stella Blue. Oh, yeah. Hi. Yeah. How are you? Festival owner of America. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I love it. Stella, um, you, I don't know if you remember, but this, uh, the song about the itsy bitsy spider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These guys sing mm-hmm. that song. Soul Seed. Oh, this is the members of Soul Seed. Stella loves that song. Aww. It was probably she's been singing it since she was able to talk. Huh? I'll have to put it on the set list when we come. Uh, come. Yes, please do. Yeah. I'll make sure she's there for it. That's awesome. Yeah. And the, for the festival is always great because it's family friendly. There's always kids running around everywhere. You know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Changes it. the vibe. The lack of alcohol there makes it so there's no craziness and there's yeah. this family. You know, it's family feel. So it does make it always kept it that way for that reason. Yeah. It 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 changes like the focus of everything on community and music instead of like we're just here to you know get drunk as we can. It's it definitely. Yeah. Makes yeah. it feel. I mean, some people do get drunk, but we yeah, and we it's don't not the judge focus. them. But the, since there's no beer garden or anything, it just definitely is is a uh, different than in yeah. some cases. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm sure each one of your kids would have a different answer to where they want to go next. You know, that's always a fun specialized question. Yeah. My okay. son, who's 14, he's a. Uh, I think he wants to go where his friends are. He wants to go back to Oregon because he's got a lot of buddies there, you know? Oh, so yeah. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, this and- girl, she wants to see Minnie. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you guys the same question? Where would you like to go if in the future? What's on your list? Uh, top of my list is probably Iceland. I oh, It really? looks super gorgeous, and uh, I'm all about, like, cold, mountainy places right now for some reason. So <laughs> I think Sounds amazing. It looks yeah. amazing, for sure. Yeah, it, yeah, it does. Uh, that's awesome. Fun to do nature adventure and drink beer in an ice cave or something like that. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, New Zealand is definitely on my list. It's also one of those Ooh, yeah. ones that's like a hard travel, you know, long trip. Yeah. But uh, just somewhere that, that I think as a group we've always wanted to see. A lot of music that comes out of there we really appreciate. And uh, I think that just the beauty of it all, I would love to see that. And to go to the Shire. I mean, that would be cool to see where they filmed filmed the Lord of the Rings and stuff. Can I just say, too, that New Zealand, people that are from New Zealand, which I think they call them Kiwis in most cases, Mm -hmm. are in most cases badass people. They're like tough and beautiful. And I just, I really always... I always have a, I don't know. I just have a lot of respect for people from New Zealand. I totally agree. Yeah. Some of the sweetest and most authentic people that I've ever met are from New Zealand. So, yeah. Well, and the, here's a, the next question. Maybe all three of you can answer as well. What superpower would you have if you could have any possible? Stella. Superpower. You want to start, Stella? Disappearing. Invisibility. Invisibility. Spider-Web power like spider girl. Spider, say it again? Spider-Web power like spider girl. Spider-Web power like spider girl. That's awesome. That's maybe teleportation. That would be kind of cool. Just be able to take a place and get there. Like going to Porter and then you're already there. Sk
I used to say that I wanted to be immortal, but I realized in my older age that that would be a tragic thing. And I wouldn't want to be immortal at all. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't yeah. want to be immortal because you would, everybody else is, is mortal. So I, I think I just want to fly. I, that's what I want to yeah. do. Without having, but she hates to fly. I have dreams that I'm like (laughs) jumping and flying kind of freely. And I wish I could actually do that. Yeah. I know Mikey's been wanting that one for a long time. Mikey, sometimes he'll just, you'll see him and he's in his focus. (laughs) I'm going to do it this time. I know. (laughs) Activate jet power. Three days in Oregon Country Fair. I'm going to start trying to fly. Yeah, there you go. I'll keep an eye on it for you. I I always love that in stories when someone's immortal or like vampires or things like that, where they play on, you know, you think you want it. And then once you have it, it is this really like challenging thing to live through where, uh, you know, it's almost like the beauty of life kind of washes out. Yeah, a lot of existential dread for a long time. Well, I mean, infinite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what a weird way to think about it, because that's what you that's what, you know, you think everybody would want. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's afraid of death. Right. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. So but yeah. that's what makes life so beautiful. Yeah. 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 So it yeah. Gives it's like the bad meaning. and the good. It's the eternal balance, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Without death, life wouldn't be great. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is interesting that those those kind of realizations of like, yeah, it takes yeah. the takes the darkness to make the light uh, stand out or whatever. True. It's true. We've had some uh, friends pass away that have made us decide to do things that because of that, like, you know what, let's, let's take that trip. Let's do that. Let's, let's, because life is short. And sometimes when you're sadly reminded of that, it reminds you to live strong and, and now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nothing is guaranteed. You got to seize life. That's, that's beautiful. It's a good lesson. Uh, well, we got one final question on the list here, and that is just, what is your favorite story world? Whether it's a uh, a book or a movie or a show, like if you could, I don't, I'm going to put it in this way, but you can think of it differently. But like, if you could be in any story world, which one would you want to be in? Or if you could like watch stuff from any story world, what would it be? It's crazy. I've never been asked this question before at like, it's not even close. So it's really right. It's really pushing me into places. I've already gone to four or five places in my mind. I, you know where I think we would belong? Where? Inside of Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> because we're just both smart asses. We're both, you know, got satire and just fun. And I love you it. Know, I don't know. I just kind of. It's a really interesting show. question because it's like every answer. story world has the ups and the downs. And so it's such an interesting question. I went, you know, I thought about Inside Out because I just loved all that mm. show, the cartoon so mm. much, but that's kind of, that's really intense. And then I thought way other end of the spectrum, I went to Little House on the Prairie. Mm-hmm. I grew up watching that show and I really feel like I could put on Laura Ingalls dress <laughs> and I could frolic and I could have the chickens and I could fetch yeah. the buckets. Yeah. Simpler I times. I think I would live in, 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 uh, Little house on the prairie. I love Cute. I love that. <laughs> Both Wait, very, very great answers. Yeah. I, I feel like I do live in Seinfeld already. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every day is like an episode of Seinfeld. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. 
Uh, all right. Well, well, you two are so awesome. Thank you so much for all this time you spent you with too. us. It and was fun to listening. hang out with you guys. Yeah, we miss you. And yeah, um, you. let's just tail off. If you guys have anything you want to promote, this is your time. Take the mic and let people know what you're doing, what your plans are, and where they can find you and your events. Oh, well, thank you. So definitely Montana State Hemp Cannabis Festival this year. It's September 10th, 11th, and 12th. The 11th features our friends from Soul Seed, uh, along with some awesome other artists like we talked about, Mike Love, Fortunate Youth. Um, the tickets are on sale at montanastatehempfest.com and three-day camping passes are already sold out. But the one thing I would say that uh, is really important if, um, well, I don't know if when this is going to air, but if this airs before 420, which that probably won't happen. Will probably it? not, unfortunately, yeah. Okay, so then, so because I was going to say, we're actually, and for anybody that you guys know that is interested, and I'm derailing here because I know you can edit this, um, we're going to do a quick release of three-day camping passes on 420. Okay. And so some yeah, extra tickets. Yeah. Oh, love oh it. cool. Love, love it. that. But, I want to go to bed um, most of the time. Yeah, I would exactly. stay away for that. <laughs> stay away for that. Um, but com. that's where you can find all the information about our events, details about the Providers Cup, and just pictures from previous events, videos, all kinds of great stuff. We're down to day passes. You can still get a day pass for Friday and Saturday because Sunday's free. And then you can come and stay at a local campground. You can stay in a hotel. There's still uh, options and without a three-day camping pass. I know it's a bummer to not be able to stay on site, which is optimal. But uh, it's definitely still going to be a big weekend. And then Dubious is going to end it on Sunday night, uh, our Sunday night headliner. So no one's going to want to miss that show. That's going to be insane. And I can't wait to see those guys again. Beautiful. So, yeah. Well, cool. congratulations on the sellout. Uh, you guys deserve it. You're both incredible people, and we're really thankful to spend some time together and let the people know what your story is and your perspective. And I hope that you get just even more people coming to your events every single year. Well, thank you so Thanks. much. We value you guys so much. We don't feel like our event would have grown without you. So mm. it's a very <laughs> mutual relationship. And to this day, we listen to Soul Seed almost every day. So. That's right. Love it. It's all good. We'll keep writing with you guys in heart. Thank you so much. We love you guys. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Give a heart, Stella. For, for letting us join you. Oh, yeah. heart. I believe. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh. All right, you guys. All right. Oh, hey, we didn't tell them about our, let's, let's give them some of this real quick. Let's oh, yeah. Give us some of that. Give us some of that. So this is our uh, new logo for our fans, Montana Hempfest family. We created it uh, for our fans. It's a brand for our fans. And so um, we've got a shop online, a store on our website where we can get shirts, beanies, hoodies, hats. Um, it's all on there. So go check it out. Love it. That's an awesome logo. Good job. That's so yeah. sweet. Our fan base is so fun. The Montana Hemp Fest family is truly this family that, you know, um, I feel like it's grown past montana and so um you don't have to be in montana to be a part of the montana hemp fest family that's for sure yeah i feel a part of the family and i'm all the way you are but we'll get you guys some of the gear when you come over yeah when we see it we'll hook you all up heck yeah awesome yeah. well thank you aaron and shelly crowbar this has been wonderful thanks guys thank you yep. guys so much mikey one and mikey two that's yeah. right bye stella blue Say awesome. bye stella blue bye bye, bye guys thanks for tuning in to the more the music podcast we appreciate it if you'd leave us an honest rating and review wherever you're listening to the podcast. And please also subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on all social media platforms at Soul Seed Music. That's at S-O-L-S-E-E-D Music. 
For those that leave a five-star rating and review, be sure to listen for your comments to be read on a future episode. Stay tuned for our next episode and feel free to share this podcast with a friend or a family member and let's expand the branches of our family tree. We appreciate you vibing with us today and we'll catch you next time on More Than Music.